Politics, football, faith, and theology. You're listening to Podcast, and I'm your host, Daniel. Today is a sad, sad day. Uh, We learned last night that, shockingly, Andrew Luck has retired from the NFL. Um, I found out about it pretty late. Watched the uh, press conference uh, where he announced it, uh, where Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay, and Frank Reich reacted. And, man, this is... uh, this is shocking. I, I would say I'm about 98% shocked. 2% I can understand what happened. I can't say I saw this coming, but I do. There were some reasons why this happened that I uh, am not too surprised by. Um, I'm with my wife, Rebecca, here. Hi, Rebecca. Rebecca is not a Colts fan, she's a Steelers fan, but she is also a big NFL fan, and uh, this uh, I know this is shocking to you too, right? Yes, and, and this is news that all NFL fans are really reeling about. It affects, you know, it affects fantasy leagues, it affects, you know, when, when I, I, living in Indiana, it's not that I, like, I can always watch the Steelers play football on, on the TV. And I was really looking forward to Andrew Luck play. So, so this is sad. Yeah. So the reason he gave for his retirement is... <coughs> Excuse me. Still getting over cold here. The reason he gave for his retirement is that he feels like he has been in a cycle of injury and rehab and injury and rehab. He's dealt with a lot of different injuries. He's had a rib, a lacerated kidney. He's had a concussion at least once. He's had... Uh, his shoulder issues, he's had now his calf and ankle issues, uh, probably more that we don't even know about. Um, So he feels like this cycle of trying to rehab, coming back, not being sure when you're going to come back, having to sit out a season you thought you were going to play, this whole cycle just does not stop for him. And, you know, the Colts fans feel the same way. We felt... Like it's been a roller coaster having Luck as our quarterback the last oh four three or four years. Um, so we understand, you know, we, the way we feel. We can only imagine how he feels when it's his own body that's getting hyper analyzed by every news site in the country, and his own career that's up in the air. We can we certainly feel for him and can sympathize with that. Um, I know that he said in two th- he has since said about the 2017 season that he missed because of his shoulder that it was a very dark emotional emotionally it was a very dark place for him that he felt like things were very bleak really did not feel like he was emotionally in a good place I think that's partly why he went to Norway just to get away from it all also you know he said that there were things certain sorts of treatments that were available there he didn't really get into the details maybe a specific doctor who he wanted to work with but i think largely it was also just to get away from it all because he felt so uh, emotionally exhausted by the whole uh, roller coaster of maybe he'll come back soon maybe not and then pushing it back farther and farther and farther it's it's really hard to say whether this is more of a decision for mental reasons or more of a decision for physical reasons because it seems like 
Lux's, you know, mental struggles with, with um, you know, feeling like the game has really sucked all the joy out for him because he's been so injury-plagued. I, I think it really goes hand-in-hand. Hand. He said that he was in a lot of pain uh, with his, his ankle-calf problems, which, you know, it's his most recent injury, and that he didn't want to play through another season of, of being in a lot of pain and trying to work through that injury. And I think it seems like, at least for now, it's easier for him mentally to say, okay, I'm done, rather than have that what if. And that can be really hard when you're trying to figure out if something will work or not to be in that limbo. And it sounds like that was part of the issue during the 2017 season. He just didn't know when he would get better. He didn't know what it was going to take. And not knowing what your career is going to be, what you know, what the rest of your life will look like, can be, and having to make decisions about that, that can be really tough. So this offseason was hyped as being this great thing that Luck was finally going to have a completely healthy offseason. Because even though he played last season, it wasn't until uh, probably week three or so that he was. it was fully clear that he was healthy. Actually, I think week three was when there was that game in the Eagles where there was still this question about whether he was fully able to do a, a deep pass because Jacoby Brissett came on the field. It wasn't really until week four or five that it really became clear that he was back to his normal self. And so certainly during the off season, he was not. And this was supposed to be his first healthy off season in years. It was supposed to be a really great experience for him getting to work in uh, minicamp and training camp and all these other things with the rookies and with the veterans and really uh, work on all the fundamentals with the receivers and the other players during the off season, and then he missed all of the off season. And it was okay. He's got a calf strain, but he's going to be ready in a couple of weeks. To well, maybe he'll sit out for the first week of the preseason or, or of I'm sorry, the training camp just to be safe, and then sitting out more and more and more to where he's questionable for week one and now it seems like he's what he said in the press conference was i'm still in pain you know this is supposed to be getting better and it's not getting better and we feel you know as fans we're starting to feel some of that 2017 deja vu right we we thought he was going to be ready and now oh not quite yet oh not quite yet and before you know it you know jacoby Brissett's our starting quarterback for the whole season so we can understand, you know, if that's how we're feeling, that 2017 deja vu, I'm sure he's feeling it even more, especially when he's being uh, just the object of so much scrutiny for so long. Part of the motivation for Luck has to be that he knows that if he would try to play for this season, he wouldn't be playing at his best. And right. that's, that's very frustrating. You think about any career, if you know that if you're going to try to do it, if you're, if you're going to try to be a, a, an artist or a teacher and there's some reason why you can't perform at the level that you know you're capable of, whatever that reason might be, that's an incredibly frustrating experience. And, of course, he could have waited to see, okay, is this injury going to get better? But he said he's, he's really tired of that cycle of not knowing when he's going to get better. And the, there's that, that, that's where the, those mental issues get in of not knowing – if I work really hard and put everything in to try to get better, will I even be able to play this season? You know, will I even right. be able to play next season? Will if I be able to just, walk in 10 years? I think if it were just the physical issues that he, he's not sure if he can play, 
he would just stay with the team and get put on injured reserve eventually if it's clear that he's not going to be able to play for the whole season. But it has to be, there, there must be, and he's, he's even talked about this, that there's a psychological component that he feels like he's on this emotional roller coaster. And especially when, you know, football is such an important part of your life. Um, he said that in 2017, he uh, realized that football was maybe too much a part of, an important part of his life to where he was neglecting his family, his uh, fiance or <coughs> girlfriend, whatever uh, Nicole was at the time, now they're married. And he said that if it weren't for that injury and learning that he needed to prioritize other things in life, he probably wouldn't have stayed with her. That kind of saved his now marriage, I guess. And I think that's that's part of what makes this sad is because with Frank Reich as, as the coach and a bunch of new players, everyone has talked about how good of a culture the Colts locker room is. And it seemed like with the leadership of the coach and with the environment of the locker room, Luck would be able to have that balance and help him develop as a player, you know, work through some, some of those mental issues of how, how to relate the game to the rest of your life. So that's, that's I think, but it's part of what makes this, this a really great football loss is that it was so fun to see Andrew Luck enjoying football and, and doing well at it last season, and we don't, we're not going to get to have that this season. And he talked so much in 2018 about how happy he was to be back, how he was enjoying it more than ever, how the season he missed has given him a renewed gratitude and appreciation for it. And we were looking forward to that same thing even more so now that he's back for the second year, healthy, has an even better roster around him. Man, we were going to do some dominant things. We, I think we were going to go to the Super Bowl. Maybe I'm optimistic because I'm a homeboy or whatever, but I was I was really looking forward to this season. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how this news came out. Um, this was reported by Adam Schefter of ESPN. Uh, he didn't name his source. He said, a source reports that Andrew Luck is, has informed the Colts he's retiring. Um, this was supposed, he was going to make an announcement today at 3 p.m. So he, he meaning Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was going to make an announcement today at 3 p.m. So, you know, we as we're recording this uh, just before 2 o'clock, we wouldn't have even known about this uh, at this time if Adam Schefter hadn't uh, kind of jumped the gun here. Now, now, of course, Adam Schefter's source also jumped the gun, and, and I think that's that's fair to point out, but... Adam Schefter really isn't in our good graces at the moment because when you're making an announcement of this nature, it's important to make it in a, in a way, the way in which that announcement's made is really important. And we think that just just based on what we've read that, that this may have deprived, or it's very likely that this deprived Andrew Luck of telling his teammates himself first. He said that he was going to tell the teammates after the Bears game. And so that's partly why he was on the field during the Bears game, talking with his teammates and kind of acting like everything was normal. As that's happening, all the fans get text messages, tweets, whatever, on their phones because it's a preseason game. They're looking at their phones, not paying too much attention to what's happening on the field, I guess. Well, I it, was, it was the, the, the news that he was retiring went into the NFL app. And, you know, a lot of us NFL-crazed uh, people uh, get those alerts. You know, we get mobile alerts. So a lot of people may have had their phones just tell them as they're sitting in Lucas Oil Stadium, oh, by the way, Andrew Luck is retiring. Right. Possibly. I don't know how this all played out. But from what I heard, it sounded like it might have been before his teammates even knew. 
because yes. his teammates were on the field. They didn't have their phones on them. Right. So. It really bothers me that for Adam Schefter, it was more of a priority to break the big story than to even think about the players on the, the Colts team. And he retweeted something like somebody was, was posting, had posted, it's so surreal that Andrew Luck is just chatting with his teammates and this news is breaking. And as if he almost got some sort of enjoyment out of the fact that that he had, you know, thrown this preseason game, this sort of mundane preseason game into some big news story. You know, it's uh, the culture of journalism is you always want to be the first person to get the story. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a badge of honor or whatever. Then everybody else who reports the story has to say, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, this is happening. So it's all over every news story, but his name is mentioned. And so I'm sure that's, you know, maybe he feels like it's good for his career in some way. To me, what it looks like is, you know, what's actually the benefit of being the first to get a story? Being the first to get a story is good if it's an important story for people to get as soon as possible. In this case, the story, it's not important for fans to get the story as soon as possible. What's important for fans is that this play out in the right way. That Luck be able to make the announcement on his own terms. That um, the fans be able to watch the game. That Luck be able to tell his own team before he has to respond to fans, uh, you know, booing him on the field for... Uh, the apparent hypocrisy of act, standing there on the field and acting like everything's normal while the story comes out. This was just, this was not Luck's fault. This was really the fault of Adam Schefter for reporting this and for the whoever the source was. I mean, he, I think you speculated last night maybe it was a drunk Jim Hersey. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, whoever uh, leaked this thing and to those who reported it, uh, just... Just think a little bit about, are you actually doing something good here? It's fine to be the first to get a news story if it's an important story to get as soon as possible. But this one, let's do this thing right. People, uh, and I don't want to talk too much about this because it's not that huge of a of a deal to me, I think. People were criticizing the fans because they, they booed Andrew Luck as he walked off the field. You know, that's unfortunate. But it's also understandable because, as I was reading an article on NBC today, um, I think it was NBC, I don't know, but it said, were they really booing Andrew Luck or were they booing the circumstances? And I thought that was a good point. And this article said, you know, the fans were presented with, while you're sitting watching this game that's not supposed to matter, that you've still, you know, had the dedication to show up and, and support your team, you see this story break about the quarterback who you've been excited about, who you're looking forward to him playing for this year, that everybody's been touting it as he's going to come back and do the same, you know, this thing again. And you see the story break that he's retiring, and then you see him standing over there acting as if nothing's the matter. That's got to be surreal. And you feel betrayed by uh, Jim Ursay potentially. Um, you remember in 2017 when the same sort of thing happened, when they said he was going to be ready, you bought your season tickets, and then here you are, uh, sort of with the rug pulled out from under you. You know, So it, it's understandable why fans would feel that way. And the other thing that a point this article made was that fans only have two reactions. They can cheer or they can boo. And if something happens, they have to react somehow. And it, it was, you know, it's unfortunate that they did. But I really don't blame them so much as I blame 
Adam Schefter and this anonymous source, whether it be Jim Ursay or whether it be who, who knows who. I don't know who else would have known about it. I would think that Luck and and Ballard and Ursay and Reich would have wanted to keep this as quiet mm-hmm. as possible. I know, I think Luck said he also told it to Jacoby Brissett. But other than that, I don't know who else would have even known about this. Right, and I just want to uh, issue a correction. What uh, the, It wasn't a retweet that I was alluding to. Adam Schefter says on, on his Twitter page, he was saying, uh, Andrew Luck on the booing he heard from tonight's Colts fans. It it hurt, it hurt. And that, that's a quotation that Andrew Luck saying that that booing hurt. And this just, again, we don't want to dwell on this too much, but it, it bothers us that Adam Schefter's, oh, you know, this is so... You know, the fans are so sad, and, and look at how, you know, strange this was. The fans were so upset, and he also had a, re- a tweet about um, Andrew Luck moving up the timeline for announcing. And I think that the way in which this happened definitely made it made it sting a little bit more. Um, I think Colin Coward called it a gut punch, and, you know, Colin Coward's a right. big Luck fan. I, I really think that made it a lot worse. And I, I'm, I'm guessing Frank Reich, with all the effort he's done to create a... a, a Team culture that's very communal. That that's very you know oriented toward not not I- individual players being you know divas or, or stars, but about the team as a whole. Obviously, the best way for the team as a whole for this news to come out would have been for Andrew Luck to announce it on his own terms. Right, and Frank Reich said that he didn't even tell Jacoby Brissett about this until Luck had told him on what Friday night Saturday morning I don't know when because he said it's about the integrity of you know letting luck make the announcement to him personally so you know I think it's 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 disappointing that that it came out the way it did but now I want to talk well if you have something else you want to say about that I just want to say one more thing I think that luck handled it really well uh he was really put on the spot he hadn't, you know, he had wanted to talk to his teammates and he wanted to do a press conference himself um, Sunday afternoon. And for being kind of caught, caught, uh, and, and having to, to address this last night after what must have been an emotional time, knowing himself that this was maybe the last time he would ever be on the field with his teammates, I think he handled it really well. I've always thought that Luck has a lot of class. Yeah, Luck has all kinds of class. All right, so um, now what does this mean for the Colts going forward? We've got, uh, it looks like, according to Ballard and Reich, uh, unless they changed their minds within the last 12 hours, their plan right now is to move forward with Jacoby Brissett as the face of the franchise. Um, Jacoby Brissett is, by all accounts, a very strong leader, has personal qualities and leadership qualities that make him exactly right for this position my only issue is he's just not that accurate of a thrower you know I love the guy and I would love to see him succeed I'm just worried because his passes just aren't as accurate as Lux and he holds on to the ball for too long um, but that said I think Brissett does have the ability to succeed he was the starting quarterback for all of 2017 we went four and twelve, but it was not all. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm feel a lot better than I sound. Well, I don't feel that great because Andrew Luck just retired. But uh, <laughs> it, it, we went four and twelve in 2017. It really was not 
all Brissett's fault. In fact, it was mostly not Brissett's fault. He actually had good stats, a, a, a lot of passing yards. Um, I think he had about twice as many touchdowns as, as interceptions, and it was something like, I don't want to say the number because I'm going to get it wrong and I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. I think it's a clear that Jacoby Brissett is a fantastic backup quarterback. As a backup quarterback, yes. yes. So, so yes. nobody's disputing Jacoby Brissett's qualifications as a backup quarterback. It's more that as a starter in the NFL, it's just not clear that, that he would be able to succeed. I think of this from the perspective as, as a Steelers fan. We we have some promising talent. Maybe you know, in a few years, Mason Rudolph will be able to take over as starter. Maybe not. You know, he definitely has some substantial ability that he can provide to the team. And we have some other backup quarterbacks, but they're not Ben Roethlisberger. You know, I think you and I both. You ever since you became a football fan, you've had Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback. Yes. Um, ever since I became a football fan, I've had Peyton Manning. Or Andrew Luck is my quarterback, mm-hmm. except for the one year when it was like Dan Orlovsky and Kerry Collins and Curtis Painter and you know this <laughs> whole Matt Hasselbeck. Who I like Matt Hasselbeck. He's uh, hangs around with the Colts still. Um, and then there's of course the year when it was Jacoby Brissett. But you know that's just because your your number one guy's injured. He's still on the roster. Um, we are not used to having a top twenty five quarterback. Where you and I are both used to having a top 10, probably top 5 quarterback for most of our lives, whether it be Manning, Roethlisberger, or Luck. And so this is going to be, an, uh, it's a different feeling going to a game knowing that you probably, you have a strong roster, but the other team probably has a strong quarterback. Even if even if Brissett is a starting, you know, one of the, say, 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I, I'm not sure he is, probably one of the 40 or 50 best quarterbacks for sure, uh, and there will probably be some games where he's the better quarterback. Uh, we're playing Miami this year. Uh, Josh Rosen, I think I think Brissett's going to be better. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, depending on the day he has, again, Brissett's going to be better. So, But by and large, when you face probably most other teams in the NFL, there's a good chance the other team is going to have the better quarterback, and that's, that's unfortunate. I try not to be too quarterback-centric in my analysis of NFL teams because NFL is, as as some people like to say, the ultimate team sport. You can't succeed with a good quarterback if you have a, a really bad offensive line and a really bad defense. But at the same time, it's obvious that the quarterback position is is a position of, of leadership and not just, you know, we think that as a person, Jacoby Brissett has great leadership qualities, but it's also leading in terms of getting the football where it needs to go. And I, what the situation the Colts are in reminds me of Jacksonville Jaguars for the past several years, where you can still succeed with a mediocre quarterback. I've never thought that Blake Cor- Bortles was anything other than mediocre, and obviously they have Nick Foles now, which will be interesting. But as far as the, the, the past couple years for the Jacksonville Jaguars... They were they were able to succeed, but you really see that that loss of leadership. Like Blake Bortles wasn't able to to fill that role. Now there is there's the ability to pass accurately, and there's also the leadership issue that are maybe related. But I do think, as far as personality, leadership skills, I think Brissett is light years ahead of Bortles there. But 
You know, he's he's just not ever going to be an elite quarterback. I could be wrong. Maybe he'll turn out to have a real breakout year this year, and that would be great. But the way things look, he's not going to be an elite quarterback. Now, you're right that uh, the the game is not won by a single player, and that's why even if we do not have the better quarterback on our team, we can still win because we can have the better coaches. We can have the better offensive line. We can have the better defensive line. We can have the better linebacker group, and a lot of those things we probably will. I think Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are a fantastic team. Of course, they've only been together for a year, but they've done amazing things. Matt Eberflus. Don't want to talk too much about Matt Eberflus because I don't want other teams to hear about him and you know take him away as their head coach. I think he'd be a great head coach. But I think we have the, uh, the chance to win a lot of games. Like you mentioned the Jaguars. They almost beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship. People forget this. They almost went to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles as their quarterback. If they can do that, we can do the same thing with Jacoby Brissett. It's just going to be a lot harder. And as a fan, it's not something I'm used to, watching a game where you don't have the better quarterback. Yeah, and one of the things that's tough about the context of the NFL right now is that it's a quarterback-heavy league right now in the NFL. There are, there are tons of good quarterbacks. And if you look at our schedule right now, we're not playing the NFC. We're not playing the NFC East. We're not playing the AFC East, where you've got Sam Darnold, you've got you know Josh Allen, you've got Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, and a bunch of quarterbacks who are either mediocre or unproven. We're playing the NFC uh, South, where you've got Drew Brees, Matt Ryan. Cam Newton, and, okay, yeah, Jimmy Swinson. Maybe maybe Brissett's going to be better than Jimmy Swinson. Uh, and then we're playing the AFC West, where you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Phillip Rivers, you've got Derek Carr, and then you've got Joe Flacco now, who, you know, Joe Flacco's a Super Bowl MVP. Let's not forget that. So it's we're, we're playing the divisions that have a lot of good quarterbacks in them. Yeah, one, of the, one of the ways we can see that the NFL is, is really quarterback-heavy is that you know, had there not been Patrick Mahomes in the mix, I think there's a very good chance Luck would have gotten the NFL MVP award last season. He obviously <coughs> did a lot for the team. Uh, they made a very young team, the Colts, last year, and, and they made huge strides, in, and they definitely benefited from Luck's leadership and passing ability. But in a league where you have Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Andrew Luck and Ben Roethlisberger and all these players playing at the same time, I think it hurts more when you don't have a good quarterback right. on your team. Now, I, I wondered, honestly, even before Andrew Luck had this calf strain, which turned into a high ankle sprain and turned into a retirement, I, even before all that happened, I wondered, was it actually a good decision to move on from Peyton Manning back in... 2011, 2012, because Peyton Manning still had three good years in him, three fantastic, good, great years in him that he played for the Broncos. He set the record that still stands for the most touchdown passes in a year with the Broncos. He won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. He lost a Super Bowl with the Broncos all in, well, four years, I guess. Uh, The fourth year, he wasn't as good, but... He still had a lot of great years in him. Andrew Luck, what did we get out of Andrew Luck? We got three 11-5 seasons. One of those years we went to the AFC Championship. 
that was good. Of course, we got stomped on by the Patriots there. Of course, you know, they deflated footballs and all that. So, uh, so we, we had three good seasons. We could have done the same thing if we'd had Peyton Manning instead of Andrew Luck. And then we had eight and eight, eight and eight, four and 12, I believe. So what did we actually benefit from? There was a salary cap issue where we couldn't keep both Manning and Luck. Obviously, Manning was going to make a lot more money. Luck was going to be a lot cheaper. Luck was a lot younger. But what did we actually get out of Luck? We got three really good years, and then we got 2018, so four good years. Three of those years, Peyton Manning could have played as well or better, and I think better because he already he didn't have to forge the chemistry with somebody like Reggie Wayne. He already had that chemistry. He could have forged the chemistry with T.Y. Hilton, and he... Uh, if we had traded that number one draft pick, we could have gotten so many great draft picks to set us up for uh, a very successful team around Peyton Manning. And I think we could have won another Super Bowl or two. One thing I want to say, not to argue with you about that, but to just provide more more context. There's one thing that the Denver Broncos had at that time, which they no longer really have, is a fantastic defense. And I, I think that Peyton Manning, while, you know, who knows what ifs, I, I think you're probably right that Peyton Manning would have succeeded well, especially with those draft picks. But I don't want to discount the Denver Broncos' fantastic defense and the role that that played in getting to those those championship games. Right, and we maybe would have had to use our defense or use our draft picks on defense. Right, but we could have traded for <laughs> the first round pick was worth a lot. You saw mm-hmm. what ha- happened with the second round pick. Of course, those picks didn't go anywhere, but that's because uh, the people who used them were not good. And of course, now we had Ryan Grigson at this point. But we're let's assume that we <laughs> did not have Ryan Grigson. Uh, maybe didn't have Chuck Pagano. Mm-hmm. Let's assume that we had uh, stayed with the the coaching staff and the general manager we had before. I don't know. I just I could be wrong about this, but I think Manning could have been at least as successful as Luck those three years with the team that we would have had around him. Maybe won a Super Bowl, and I think uh, the first year that we actually benefited from the deal with moving on from Peyton Manning to, Man- to Luck was 2018 because we didn't benefit from it the first three years. Manning would have been fine. The next three years. Andrew Luck was injured, and then finally 2018, we get one good year out of it, and now all of a sudden he's gone. For now. For now. And that's uh, the next thing I want to talk about. I just have to say one more thing. You, you've been you've been saying for a while this this theory that, that maybe it wouldn't have been a good idea to get – it wasn't a good idea to get rid of Manning. And, and while I agree with you for the most part, as I said, I do think that a big part of the Broncos' success was – that defense that yes. was that was that was proven, you know, draft picks don't always pan out when, when, you, when you try true. to get them. That's but also true. I, I can't regret the fact that emotionally, the you know, regret the fact that Andrew Luck was an Indianapolis, you know, and and in a way is an Indianapolis Colt because uh, as yes. Peyton Manning, as Peyton Manning would say, chan- channeling my inner Peyton Manning here, uh, that Andrew Luck is is an Indianapolis Colt. He he's really a, a an interesting person. Everything, and he said in his press conference, "I'm going to always feel like an Indianapolis Colt." He said that last night. Right, and he 
he's he's really just such such an interesting person um as far as even beyond all, all the football stuff I, I love the fact that he he majored in architecture i think it is at at, at stanford and oh he, yeah when he when he was i remember reading an interview when he was asked what he liked about living in indiana he said something about oh i i love all the you know courthouses and all the architectural <laughs> features of, of indiana and i thought it was nice of him to say you know nice things about the architecture of indiana and i do think he's right the, the small town midwest small town has a particular aesthetic that uh, it's cool that andrew luck appreciated that a- andrew luck is a fantastic person and i don't want what i say to be interpreted as me bashing andrew luck he's a wonderful person, a wonderful player, and like you said, I am so glad that he is an Indianapolis Colt. I wouldn't want him on any other team. But you know, Manning was also a great player. So this is this is nothing against Andrew Luck. It's just you know, look at what happened with Manning. Did we actually benefit from moving on from Manning to Luck? I don't know if I can say we did. It was cool to see how the Colts fans still supported Manning even after he moved on, because that doesn't always happen. You look at the Green Bay Packers and how they. Uh, treated, uh, I'm blinking now. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Brett Favre. <laughs> Brett Favre, when he moved on from the Packers. And, uh, you know, we did, it's great that we didn't have to have something like that. And I think, similarly, the Colts fans are still going to support Andrew Luck in what, whatever he does next. Now, I do wonder, though, Jim Ursay said, essentially, last night he's still holding out hope that luck will come out of retirement and play how, for the Colts How coherent again. did Jim Irsay sound when he was saying this? Oh, he sounded like he was about six drinks in. But, you know, <laughs> he, he said he said some things that made sense, and then he talked about uh, butterflies coming out of cocoons and uh, <laughs> how it's all, like, tried to get all philosophical about the human experience and how 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4 for Andrew Luck right now. And uh, Wow. <laughs> it was... It was interesting. I like it's kind of fun to watch Jim Irsay. I it's like watching your like kind of crazy uncle who uh, sort of makes sense, but mostly not, and you can kind of laugh at him. But he's also like rich and buys you stuff. I I also speaking of crazy owners, I thought it was really funny that Jerry Jones said that Andrew Luck should be president of the United <laughs> States. I mean, <coughs> probably could do a decent job. He has some some leadership qualities, but that that's that's another trippy owner for you. Oh yeah. Uh, luck is present. Now, that would be an interesting career path. All right, so will Andrew Luck come back? Here's why I actually agree with Jim Irsay, that I'm holding out hope that no, he'll that, come back. No, that's a sentence you shouldn't say. <laughs> right, right. But I, I do think, first of all, the players and coaches, maybe they have to say this, but they always say Jim Irsay's a great owner. Andrew Luck said that he thinks Jim Irsay shows as much love to his team as any owner in the NFL possibly could. So, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Ursay's actually a better owner than we give him credit for. But I'm holding out hope that Andrew Luck will come back because this decision was made in two weeks. That's a blink of an eye in terms of a career. And he, he made the decision when he was in an emotionally very dark place, understandably so. Right, like should he be playing if he's in that state? Probably not. I mean, he can't, and he can't play right now physically. Right. But then in a year, when he's fully healthy, or in two years, however long it takes, when he's fully healthy and has been healthy for a while, I think he's going to miss football. 
Because I think so too. I mean, can, one thing that I've 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 heard people talk about is how how bizarre it is as a as a football player to retire e- even when you get through a full career, whatever that means. You know, fifteen years. It, it's really hard to retire from something you've poured your life into and that you love so much when you're in your twenties or thirties. And what's he gonna do now? Be a disco dancer? I mean, a fashion model? I, maybe that. Maybe that's why Jerry Jones has said, "Oh, he needs something else really lofty to <laughs> right. to aspire to." I mean, he could become an analyst, but I think analyst is more what people do when they're like too old to play football. It yeah, it would can. be kind of surreal to see Andrew Luck as an analyst now, or a coach. Even though I think eventually he could do both of those things, but that's why that's why I think he will eventually miss football. I think he's going to miss football very quickly i think he misses football right now yeah but he uh I mean, look at look at look at the 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 image that was on the the front of the indy star today he's he looks really emotional and, and sad in it yeah and he he genuinely loves the game i mean you could tell last year how happy he was to be playing he just talked so much about how fun it was the games they won the games they lost it didn't matter to him he was just talking about he was having such a blast playing with his friends out there and i think because he's somebody who plays genuinely for the love of the game, I think he's, uh, I think he's going to want to come back once he feels like he's no longer in that emotionally dark place, and when he feels fully healthy again. And I think he's, I'm still holding out hope. You know, we can't see the future, uh, but butterflies come out of cocoons and caterpillars <laughs> add two and two and make four and who knows. Uh, I, I'm still holding out hope. Not this season, obviously. This season, we're going to need to figure things out. We do have a coach who was a backup quarterback and who coached a backup quarterback to win a Super Bowl MVP. So if anybody can coach Jacoby Brissett to a successful season, it's Frank Reich. I, I, I totally agree. And I just want to make one more point about Andrew Luck coming back. For Andrew Luck, football isn't just a source, you know, of an income of, you know, prestige, anything like that. It's even more than just loving the game himself, you know, as something he's in, he enjoys. But it's a sense of community for for Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck talked a lot about that. Was sort of a connecting thread, and a lot of what he was saying during his announcement is the community that he gets from. I don't know if he used that specific word. But he talked about how in 2017, when he thought about what reasons does he have for coming back, he said, ultimately, it's because I love throwing the ball to my friends, and specifically, I love throwing the ball to T.Y. Hilton. So, so if, he doesn't, if he's not able to find some other community for himself that's as vibrant and enriching as football is, and if, his, and, and if those physical and mental issues are able to resolve, I find it hard to think that he wouldn't I think he would come back if all those things were in place. Yeah, I think so too. Now, in the meantime, there's uh, a lot of speculation about what the Colts should do, whether it's uh, bring Colin Kaepernick in. I don't think he would. I, I don't know if he would even do it. Uh, maybe bring uh, go, try to trade for Teddy Bridgewater from the Saints, or the one that I found most. We interesting. We don't think the Saints would do that. I don't think the Saints would I do that. Think, yeah, I don't think the Saints. Uh, would. The one I found the most interesting is try to trade for Eli Manning from the Giants. They have their successor picked in Daniel Jones. He's had a good preseason. (laughs) I think Eli Manning is, let me be clear, Eli Manning is not elite. Eli Manning is 
not a top 10 quarterback in this league, but Eli Manning is decent to good, and he's the most underrated player in the NFL. Underrated doesn't mean that you're great. Yeah, people do not understand the terms underrated or overrated. Yeah, overrated does not mean you're bad. Underrated does not mean you're elite. Underrated means people think you're worse than you actually are, and Eli Manning is underrated. I will maintain that. I think the reason for that is because his last name. He's not Peyton Manning, and so he's always going to be in, in Peyton Manning's shadow, unfortunately. Right. But he's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. There's not a lot of people who can say that. And honestly, you know, I haven't watched a lot of his games, but when I watched his game in Lucas Oil in 2018, where we almost lost to the Giants, we were able to stop Saquon Barkley. The guy who beat us, the guy who was almost almost beat us, uh, scored 27 points on us, was Eli Manning. That game was a real hand-wringer. My oh, goodness. yes, it was. And then, and then the Steelers lost to the Saints that same day. And I think Odell was out that game. I can't remember for sure. But I think Odell wasn't even playing. So, you know, he's not going to have Odell this year. But, again, I think he's going to have some success. Of course, maybe he'll be on the Colts. You know, with imagine Eli Manning throwing to T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Devin Funches, Deion Kane now. I'm excited about Deion Kane. I'm still excited for this season. That that's good. We we don't we don't want uh yeah. So so to all the Colts fans out there, or or the people who have uh, luck on their fantasy teams and have to figure out what to do, uh, it'll it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. The Colts are a good franchise. That's right. But this season may be disappointing, but the Colts are still a good franchise. I think the Giants fans are ready to move on from Manning, right or wrong. I think I think he should be their their quarterback for another year or two, probably maybe just one year. I don't know, but. Right or wrong, the Giants fans are ready to move on from him and move on to Daniel Jones. The Colts fans would welcome Eli Manning with open arms. Eli Manning is the brother of somebody that we have incredibly fond memories of that we're, we all love Peyton. We all love Eli because he's Peyton's brother. We also all love Eli because he won two Super Bowls and did a service to humanity by defeating the New England Patriots. Um... In Lucas Oil Stadium, one of them. So Eli Manning, you know, has, I'm sure, fond memories of Lucas Oil Stadium because that's where he won uh, one of his Super Bowls. And it would be, it would be, it would feel like things came around full circle. And again, the nice thing about Eli Manning is he's only got a year or two left in his career. So if he plays well for us, he'll be ready to retire by the time Andrew Luck decides he's going to come back after all. Right, and and one 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 final. And, thing. and I just want to say, oh. the Colts have never lost a game that Eli Manning has played in. Well, well <laughs> uh, that, that's not very uh, statistically significant. Uh, they've played. They've played. I think maybe four or five times. Okay. Uh, but I want to say one one more thing about the Colts, and the Colts show the importance of having a complete team. When, when these, you know, inevitable bumps in the road come for every franchise, if you're not building your, your team around one specific star, it just gives you more. We know that there's still going to be exciting things to see. And the, yep. uh, we're, we're going to get to see Darius Leonard play. Uh, we're going to get to see T.Y. Hilton play. We're going to get to see Quentin Nelson play. And this was what went wrong in 2017, was that Ryan Grigson was trying to build the whole team just around... Andrew Luck, and nobody else, essentially. Right, right. So I think that that's important mm. to remember, that 
part of the the problem. I mean, a lot of this, yeah. If there's anybody to be mad at, okay, it's two people to be mad at. Adam Schefter, why did he leak this news? And Ryan Grigson, uh, not really providing. And Adam Schefter's source, drunk Jim Mersey. But Ryan Grigson didn't help to craft a team around Andrew Luck, and and probably you know that that decision led to these injuries and and led to this this anguished decision making from Andrew Luck and also didn't set the team up for success when Andrew Luck did get injured. Now Andrew Luck, if you're listening to this now that you have all kinds of time on your hands, <laughs> we love you. Thank you for a fantastic career uh, that you've had in Indy so far. We will miss you. We wish you the very best, and we do hope that you're going to come back soon. Yes, we we we, we want our, uh, our son to watch you play football. Yeah, Ezra, do you want to watch Andrew Luck play football? Oh, yeah. We, wa- we want to watch you, and we want to watch you beat Tom Brady, so come back soon before the guy retires. Yeah, apparently you have three years, because Tom Brady says he's going to be around until 45. So you got three years to get your ankle back in order. All right. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe by sending me an email. Um, and please bookmark it on your favorite browser and your second favorite browser, just to be sure. Thank you again. Please join us next time.